to the Liberal Europe podcast, the European Liberal Forum project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. Today I'll be speaking with Ola Schmidt. Ola is a former member of the European Parliament and currently the Vice President of the European Liberal Forum. We talk about liberal visions and message for the near future. And after that, I will be going over some of the events for ELF during this month of June. I'm here with Ola Schmidt. Ola, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. It's a privilege to have you here. Thank you, Ricardo. It's uh, very nice to, 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 to be here and to have a chat with you all the way from Lisbon to, to Malmö, Sweden. Yes. I think that's, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Well, it's a good connection, undoubtedly. Um, Ole, before we go a little bit into the main topic of our conversation, that is about liberal values and policies and the vision for the future, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about yourself to our listeners. So what path did you took to get to this point now that we're having this conversation? Well, currently I'm the vice president of, of uh, uh, ELF, European Liberal Forum. Uh, uh, that we have met several times, and I'm, I'm a former member of the European Parliament. I've been there for 13 years. I left five years ago, and, and um, actually, to brag a bit, I'm the only Swede, at least I think so, that actually been politically active on all four levels. I've been in the city council, in the regional council and in the parliament, the Riksdag, as we say here in, in, in Sweden. So I've been rather active in, in politics for a bit over 40 years, actually, but I also have been active professionally. So I'm, I, I, I've always been a, a professional full-time politician. I've been dealing with other stuff as well. Uh, as journalism and teaching and so on. Well, you have all the bragging rights that you want to use. How, how was it to be a member of the European Parliament? Can you share us a little bit how that experience was and maybe a couple of funny stories in a way? Fantastic. I, 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 I used to pinch my arm when I'm listening to some of the European leaders. Especially I remember when, uh, when Václav Havel spoke in, in plenary. It felt fantastic. You know, I, I grew up uh, and I was a young boy when the um, uh, Soviet Union invaded Hungary, 56. And then I was a student, 68, when they, they invaded Prague and, and at, that, at that time Czechoslovakia. And now we were a family again after the tumbling down of the wall. I think that was amazing. And, and to tell you, Ricardo, the first day uh, when I entered Parliament, we had a group meeting and I was sitting S. Schmidt. And, and uh, the, the custom, the tradition in, in European Parliament is there is a sort of turnover from, from, uh, from the uh, uh, old group to the new group. So that we, uh, I, uh, it's not, uh, that is not the case in Sweden. But I think that was really fascinating because then you could meet old colleagues, you will not see them again, and, and you will meet the new ones. And I, Schmidt, S, and on my left-hand side, um, was, they, uh, there was sitting uh, Antoinette uh, Spock. She was the daughter of Paul-Henri Spock. Mm -hmm. who was the main author of the Rome Treaty, as you know. 
Oh, yes. Fantastic. And I remember she looked a bit suspiciously at me and, so, and said, well, you're welcome, Monsieur Schmidt, but I hope you are, you, you, you are more fascinated and, uh, fa and in love with Europe when you're uh, uh, comparing to your citizens back home in Sweden. And I, <laughs> I, I stumbled a bit. Yes, yes, I hope so. I stuttered a bit. I hope so. I hope so. I think that was fantastic to meet the daughter of, of Paul Spark the first day in, in, in the European Parliament. Wonderful. Let me interrupt you there because this is a great, uh, a great point for us to explore. So in your youth, and I, you just described that you're seeing, you know, the Soviet Union invade part of Europe. What was your idea of a European Union family? Did, was that just already growing in your mind? Were you expecting for an opportunity for things to come about? What was your youth on that particular point? Absolutely. I always thought, uh, and I, I, I don't think I'm rewriting the history, I, I always thought that Sweden should uh, actually not be as reluctant as we were uh, and join the, the, the European integration. I, I, I think that was the, the you know, uh, Europe actually was saved by those men and women who created uh, the European, uh, the, the start of the European Union, the European integration. And I never understood why Sweden couldn't join, especially when, when Denmark joined in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it, uh, I think I always was a bit ashamed of this. And, and I remember many of my colleagues asked me, why, why couldn't Sweden join? Why, why, why are you sitting uh, as a sort of sideline? And, and, and flourishing, and, and uh, you are actually joining in, in a sort of semi-way because you need us, you need uh, the export markets. Sweden is a very open-oriented, export-driven country, but you cannot join us politically. Why so? Uh, they thought it, and I think still so, because we are not, for instance, in the Eurozone, that we are a bit reluctant. Other countries uh, might take the chances, the risks, but uh, but my my neutral country will not do that, and I I, I think that's a pity. I think that's a pity. I would like to uh, linger here for one more minute. So, have you found out now why the Swedes are so reluctant? Well, Ricardo, I think um, uh, Brexit has meant a lot. The mess in in, in Britain, and we are very closely related to Britain yes. and the Brits in Sweden. And, and uh, you remember there was some uh, discussions about the domino effect, that yes. if Britain leaves, you know, the referendum and, and the, the, the Brexiteers won, how, how would that affect Europe in, 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 in the whole? But on the contrary, no one wants to leave. There are more countries who actually want to join the European Union. I think that is perhaps the main factor, but also the global turmoil uh, about, uh, you know, Trump and, and Putin and Xi Jinping in China. Uh, so actually, uh, the uh, uh, Eurobarometer from uh, the European Parliament shows that the Swedes are, are in, in, actually in favor of the European Union, the highest ranking ever. And, and when we joined, uh, 
in the in in ninety four we had a referendum, and it was a very close tie, very close. It was a tight race, but now uh, the Swedes really think that yes, we are in and we should be uh, there and be active and so on. And also, I think climate. Uh, we are very uh, uh, in for uh, environmental issues, and I think that could also be a part of the, the positive effects. But we are not in the eurozone, and still there is a huge majority against Sweden joining the eurozone, and I think that's that's really a pity. Well, at least it's good news that the opinions of Swedes about the European Union, it's getting uh, better, and that is a, a, a positive point. Uh, it, even before we start talking about liberalism, I was very interested in the fact that you have a master's in literature and in Nordic languages. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How, how much there is to study about Nordic languages, being <laughs> a Mediterranean as I am? Well, you know, uh, if you want to be a teacher in, in Swedish, as I uh, was supposed to be, uh, you need to learn uh, Norwegian, uh, uh, Danish, and also a, a, a bit of uh, uh, Icelandic. Finland, as you know, that, this, that is not the same language, Browns. It's, it's not a Scandinavian Nordic language. Uh, and and um, we, the languages, the Nordic langu languages are rather similar. So um, we can uh, understand each other. And we have also historically been linked where I'm living in the south of Sweden, uh, it was a part of Denmark, and uh, we were in, in, in a union with Norway uh, until 1905, and, and we lost Finland in the war 1989 to Russia. So we have, yes. it's, it's um, uh, geographically and historically, we are we are closely connected in the in the nordic uh, sphere uh, as, as i think we have not been that powerful as the, the countries in where you are from ricardo but uh, at least we tried <laughs> previously historically to be superpowers but now we are r rather small countries fighting for our, uh, for getting new markets and sell our products and so on one of these days, I'm going to ask you to come back and talk a little bit about languages, because we that have Latin as, as our mother language, that is also a very fascinating dynamic. We were together at the European Liberal Forum uh, General Assembly on spring, and it was, there was this moment that was really interesting, because that when you took the floor and you expressed an opinion on how to present liberal values and vision, would you like to share us, with us again what you said at the time? I think we should be, we, as liberals, we, we should be uh, bold, but we should also admit that we had made some mistakes. Uh, I am a, a, a deep fan of globalism, uh, and, and uh, I've been fighting for that, free trade and so on. But I think we have missed some uh, uh, viewpoints, uh, because even though that jobs are created in in, um, in China, in Asia, hundreds of millions of new jobs in India and so on, and because of the globalization, but there have also been losses in in, 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 in jobs in, in our countries, in my country, and in your country, Ricardo. Mm -hmm. And we have been 
um, I think we have been rather slow in trying to explain why. And, and um, trying to get a system that compensates those lost jobs. And in, in this context, I think uh, uh, populism uh, has been uh, risen. I, you can see it, you can see it in, in, in Europe. You can see it in, in America. And, and I think we should be more um, uh, cautious. And, and we have to come up with answers that actually is not alienate, uh, is actually trying to get people together and understand that even though that jobs are lost in some parts of Europe and in the US, in the whole, in the long context, it is extremely uh, useful and it's important to get a context where, where the whole world is working together and the growth is rising all over the world. And, and our, my answer as a liberal uh, to cope with these difficulties is long life learning. It is uh, uh, to get people educated and to find new jobs uh, for, for those that actually manufacturing jobs that are lost. Otherwise, I think we will have severe problems in, 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 in Europe. And I think, uh, this I say, Ricardo, I don't know, but I think that uh, President Macron in France, he has uh, found some key for these discussions. I'm rather impressed uh, that he and, and uh, his party actually managed as well as they did in the European elections because of the yellow uh, vests. Yes. I, think, I think that's astonishing. Uh, who would believe that? And he did it in these town hall meetings, a uh, sort of open dialogue with the people. I, I, I think that that is a way that we used to do uh, democratic conversations, dialogues in Sweden. Nowadays, they are less, but that was the way we did it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely correct because you cannot, and, and there I'm rather strict, you cannot rely on media and you can absolutely, in my view, not rely solely on internet because that yes. is, you need, you need contact. You need contact. And, and I think it was, it was a rather, I, I, I was, as I said, impressed when uh, the president of uh, 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 the French Republic is going to these small town hall meetings, sitting there, taking off his jacket, losing his tie and have a discussion with ordinary citizens. I think that is impressive. I don't know what you say, Ricardo, but for me, I, I, I was astonished. That's a great point, and that is proximity. Uh, there's a lot of complaint about elites, and now the elites in Brussels are taking all the decisions, and people uh, at the lower levels cannot access. And I think you have a, you made a great point, and that is proximity. But I would like to go back to education, because you're miss, you're saying that one of the things that is missing it's more education, education people, ed, educating people not only for new challenges but also for a new world where the dynamics have changed regarding work and regarding jobs. 
But do you think that there could be a clash with this uh, revolution about artificial intelligence, robotics, and education? Could we find a way in the middle of those two things, or do you think that it, the, the, the balance is tilted too much? What is your opinion on that? I think that is one of the grand things with uh, liberalism, that we... we we are not extremists. We, we, we are, in, in certain areas, we are extreme in, in, in values and in, you know, uh, relating to human rights and so on. But in many issues, we are rather pragmatic to find a solution that actually fits for, 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 for a majority. And, and I, I, I find the discussion uh, uh, concerning education and artificial intelligence extremely interesting. Uh, but the pendulum has to be in balance. I agree with that. But uh, liberalism and, and, you know, this common sense, common sense that we, we, need, to, we need to adopt to these new uh, um, tendencies and, and, and uh, uh, also, uh, also technology, but we should not rely upon it solely and totally. We should also be critical. And that's why you need basic, basic education to value uh, what, you, uh, what you learn and what you are being taught. And, and there I think we should be cautious as well. Now getting back to how to, re not rebrand per se, but how to present our positions in a way that it's closer to society and closer to those concerns that you were just mentioning and very wisely so about people feeling outside or feeling that they're being left behind. What do you think about this rebranding of liberalism to social liberalism? Joseph Stiglitz, not too long ago, a week ago, he wrote an article about after neoliberalism, where he actually talked about progressive capitalism. What, what's your sense on that? Should we move, move on to a more social liberal uh, kind of uh, intervention in society? Do you think it's way too much, like liberal, uh, classic liberalism is still a solution? What's, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Ricardo, from, from, from uh, my point and, and where I was actually brought up, um, we have always believed, even liberals, that we need a sort of uh, basic welfare state to take care of uh, the c citizens when they cannot manage of their own. Yes. Uh, Darendorf, our icon, he, he used to say the chances of life. We should provide chances for everyone, but some of them will not take them for different reasons. But they are not supposed to be left on their own. Yes. And, and for me, if you would call that social liberalism, uh, I don't mind. I, 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 for me, it's classical liberalism. It's, 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 it's not perhaps absolutely Adam Smith, it's uh, John Stuart Mill. Okay. And, and uh, I, I think we... We should not make it more complicated when it is, but in, in, in the context of where I've been brought up, uh, it's always like that. It's always like that. My, when the first time I, 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 I was, um, I was 21, the first time I could go to the pools and vote. And my father, he told me, 
uh, he, he was a wise man. He, he said to me, you are not supposed to vote only for your own interests now. You are supposed to vote. And then he mentioned some of my friends, some of the, you know, the, the worker's son and the farmer's son and so on. They, because my father, uh, parents, they were teachers. They are also supposed to your friends to have the same chances and the same opportunities as you have. So if you only vote for your own subjects, your, your own interests, that you will create a society that is not good for everyone. It will be a segregated society and segregation will also mean that uh, you will have a, a lack of, of understanding, of course, between people, but you will also, and that is the context in Sweden, I would say, uh, the welfare, the growth, the economic growth is, is benefiting if you work together and if you give uh, all the people more or less the same chances. And if you call that social liberalism, it's fine for me. Uh, I think the, the Germans call it Sozialmarktwirtschaft. And, and, and I think that was a part of the German wonder, as you know. It was called with Ludwig Erhard in the 50s and the 60s. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's an idea I think we should uh, prosper more uh, now. A combination of a decent society, taking care of their citizens, but the citizens should also make their best. Uh, they, have to, they have also to work and, and to put, put in uh, efforts uh, in achieving things. But if you do not succeed, if you're sick and ill and so on, you should also have provided some sort of safety net. I, yes. I, I dislike a society that is divided and the gap is too much. I, I, I think that's, it's, a, it's a shame that you have this education system in Britain. Not even Tony Blair could change it. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame that you have this, uh, uh, this healthcare system in the United States. We have pro problems in Europe as well. But I, I think these are two examples that, that decent liberalism or social liberalism could be much, much more worth, uh, uh, worthy to use in, in these two examples. Now, let me uh, change gears a little bit now and talk about what a lot of people in the media talk about liberalism being in retreat in Europe. We didn't saw actually that on the European elections, but what do you think we can do more to have even more uh, influence in society and of course in the ballot box? I think the, uh, the main thing is always to deliver. You, 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 you have to deliver. And, 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 uh, uh, and um, some countries, I think, liberal parties, for instance, mine, has been uh, seen as a sort of a, a party for, for the elite, mm -hmm. for the urban the cultures living in the urban society. I think that's very bad. Uh, you have to have a, <clears throat> a program, a vision that can reconnect to uh, to uh, to everyone in in, uh, in Europe, and um, I'm a <clears throat> and that is a sensitive discussion because uh, that you know there is a discussion about the transfer union, 
and the Germans are very much afraid of this, and, and the European Union is costing too much, the budget and all this. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think, and this is especially in my country a very sensitive issue, I don't think uh, that the European Union uh, as a whole can survive if the economical uh, uh, gaps, uh, if they are so huge as they are now. Uh, uh, we have, in, 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 in my country, in my hometown, uh, hundreds, perhaps even thousands of, of Roma beggars from uh, mm. Bulgaria okay. and Romania. And, and this is not the way. We are, we are absolutely in favor of free movement of people. But the free movement, movement of people is not to get the most out of a different country's welfare state or, you know, social benefits and so on. You are supposed to work, study or whatever. But, but I can understand that asking these people sitting in the streets outside my, my store, uh, they, they are saying, well, the situation, if, even if I'm sitting here in the street 10, 10 hours a day, it's much better than in Romania. And in these uh, um, villages that we are, we, we, we are living in, 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 in the outskirts of Romania. And I think this, this cannot be done in, in the long run for the European Union. Uh, the differences uh, will, will create a social mess, I think. And, and uh, I don't know how to deal with that, but, but, uh, because it's a sensitive issue. Yes. Because there are poor people all over Europe in a way. But I think we need a, a more uh, sort of minor uh, social uh, politics in the European Union. I know this is controversial, but I, I, uh, I think uh, diversity is not meaning that we should have too, ma too much of diversity socially and economically in, in, in the same union. That is... That, that, that is at least my my view, and there I think, coming back to your question, Ricardo, there I think liberalism and and the liberal parties in Europe can play uh, a significant and instrumental role because we are in the middle and we can be pragmatic and moderate between the the, the left and, and and the right. Uh, uh, at least that is my wish. Well, I agree with you on several points there, and particularly, well, even if we don't have all the solutions, just the fact that you did a very good diagnosis of the situation, that is already a, a very important starting point, because then we can find solutions to those problems that you just mentioned. But I, I want to go back a little bit, because what you just talked about is really important, but I want to focus on the people that are on the field working for the, for the improvement. So you have a relation with political entrepreneurship. Uh, how can that translate to finding that increase in liberal uh, influence in the society? There are very good examples that uh, 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 political entrepreneurs can 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 do a, 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 a lot, and and. Um, for for instance, for instance, mentioning neos in Austria and Joseph Lynch and and what they have been doing in creating a new political party, 
I think that's fantastic, especially when they did it in, in Austria. And he has written a, a very good book about political entrepreneurship. I don't know if you have read it, Ricardo. It's, it's, it's I had it. I, I had Joseph on the podcast. It was very illuminating. Uh, he is. He's, he's, he's amazing. And I, it's very, so, I'm very pity that he left uh, the elf board because he, he, he was extremely good. And, and you have also examples. I, I, coming back to, to, to uh, uh, France, uh, the same was the, the, the same uh, achievement was made by, by uh, Republic, La République en Marche and, and Macron. There you can mm -hmm. see that it is not impossible for decent political parties to, to, to grow, but, but it, is, it is very, very hard to do that. I have, I have a friend, he's, he's mayor in a small town here, 40,000 inhabitants. He was a, he was a, he got a, a prize here uh, from the regional committee a couple of years ago because he was so successful. When he was young, he started and the party was about four or five percent. In the last election, he got thirty-five percent, and wow. that is a it's a total uh, uh, you know uh, working class uh, city. There was there used to be a, a shipyard. And they had so many and so many problems, uh, but he he managed to have a dialogue with the people, and you know he he, he just walked around together with some of his friends and especially his girlfriend, and delivered letters and and asked in in, in you know in oh the the, uh, the the villas and the, the the houses, and asking questions, and then they phoned them. And ask, would you? What, which topics do you think is is is, is very vital? And you can see that those topics that they thought was the the, the most important was uh, number one was security. Mm -hmm. That security, uh, they 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 want to be secure when they were out walking in the city. And then, of course, education and mm -hmm. and prosperity and all this. Uh, and and he step by step he changed the whole and a liberal party was v uh, historically extremely small now they are the largest party they are larger than the social democrats and and the uh, in in the national elections we did about six percent and he did thirty five up to mm -hmm. thirty six and this shows that a grassroots uh, a community uh, you know walking around. Walking around, talking to people, having dialogues, and delivering, and he, he's always—he's always, always saying to me that you are not supposed to to p put those questions to ordinary citizens that they never ask, and you are not supposed to give them the answers that they don't want to hear. You should focus on the, 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 even if it's ideologically better to talk about, you know, whatever liberals want to talk about, but you should focus in a liberal way for those issues that is actually in, in you know, in, in, in the discussions at the breakfast table for ordinary citizens. And there I think many of the liberal parties are talking to my own. We have been bad. We have 
delivered answers on political issues that the people, they don't care. They want, they, they have perhaps nothing against the answers, but those are not the questions they think is the most uh, uh, important. Therefore, I, I, and I think Joseph, in his views and his book, he is talking about this in, 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 in a common way, and, and he's giving very good examples, I would say. So, um, uh, it's, it's, it's hardship, it's working, it's walking, it's working. It's, it's, uh, but if you do that, and you're open-minded, you can be successful. You can be successful. And, and uh, liberals, uh, we used to be very successful, and now perhaps after the European elections, we can also be a sort of pragmatic moderator in the middle, De and in the end, delivering, delivering, and that is what people. It's all about the economy, stupid, as as you know, the, <laughs> uh, Clinton's uh, advisor. I have forgotten his name now, but it's not always about economy, but economy and means to get a decent society is, of course, extremely important. Well, we have a theoretical and a practical model here for success. And uh, Ole, we're coming to the end of our conversation, but I won't let you go without us talking a, a little about the European Liberal Forum and what you just talked until now, this proximity, this dialogue with people. And you are the vice president of ELF, how do you think that ELF can, in the future, position himself to be uh, doing exactly that? I, I think we have a very important role. We, we, are, we are a think tank and we are a foundation uh, uh, founded by, by the ALDE party, the Liberal Party. Uh, but uh, in doing so, of course, the, uh, the ALDE party, the Liberal Party, uh, foresaw... Uh, uh, a sort of capacity from a liberal forum to deliver, deliver material about the future and visions, but not only visions, but also a more instrumental working load to, to, to achieve liberals, liberal solutions in, in, in a substantial context. And I think, I think we are now 40 foundations in the association, in the foundation, the whole European Liberal Forum, throughout the whole of Europe, in almost every country. Together, we uh, can be, uh, we are very strong, but we, we need to join forces and we need to help each other because I can learn a lot from, Portugal, I'm sure. You can learn some parts from Sweden, Ricardo, and this is the way to do it. And, and uh, we need to be visible and we need to say to uh, uh, our, our, uh, our member countries, the political parties, that European Liberal Forum, uh, you should use us. You should use us because we can produce and be very valuable for liberal visions and and, and, and liberal solutions in, 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 in Europe today. And it's extremely important that we find those answers, liberal answers for Europe right now. Well, this was a fascinating conversation and time just flew by. 
Uh, I will ask you for now if you want to share some last thoughts with our audience. No, I think it's been talking to you, Ricardo, and and um, uh, I'm always fascinating, and that was, uh, I think, the one of the uh, the finest moments in, in during my years in in in, in the uh, European Parliament and also among Elf uh, that we we are we, we share so much in our uh, throughout our continent Europe but we are we are not the same everyone but we are liberals and and we can we can disagree but in the end we can agree on a lot and this is in a decent way, and that is extremely important in, in these days when fake news and and rumors are destroying so much of, of uh, the trust we need. We need trust, uh, credo, I believe in you, I have the faith. I think uh, th that is extremely dangerous when you lose that. And, and here I think... Uh, we liberals uh, can achieve a lot if, if we if we want, and I think we want because we really we really want to be a part of uh, the discussion, the future discussion, how to solve uh, the problems of uh, of the European Union and in Europe and also in globally. But I think we should start in Europe. I would like to thank you again so much for coming to the podcast, Oli. I'll hope to have you back soon so that we can continue this conversation. Thank you very much, Ricardo. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm back. And even before we go into this week's ELF events, let me tell you that you can also follow us now on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating. This way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. Let's move on now to some of the events that ELF is organizing during this month of June. On the 24th, we have two going on, one in Brussels, Belgium, the other one in Vienna, Austria. The one in Brussels is called ELF Idea Accelerator, and this is an experimental space for testing new solutions to European issues, from climate to migration to the future of work. For this very first edition, the European Liberal Forum is bringing newly elected MEPs and other stakeholders to Brussels to contact with some of the latest ideas from the ground across Europe. The theme for 2019 is Europe in Transition. On Vienna, the event is called Big Data, Algorithms and Health Data, Ethical Aspects When Designing the New Healthcare Policies. You can know more about these events by going to www.liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for this podcast, but I'll be back soon with more guests. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>